The following is a special presentation of the Buccaneers Sports Network. This is the Jay and Keith Show. Two broadcasters, two microphones, and one meticulously scripted podcast. You what? Just kidding. Get it, J.K.? You get it. That's what I thought was so funny. It's not funny. Alongside Keith Brake, here's the voice of the Bucks, Jay Sandoz. Good Monday, Jay Sandoz. Keith Brake is the Jay and Keith Show. Hello. There's a lot to talk about. Talk about, talk about, talk about. Talk about, talk about, talk about, talk about. Well, we're going to talk uh, the big story of the day. Dr. Sander no longer the interim. He is your AD. He'll be on the coaches show Monday night, the full hour, 6 to 7. So we've got a lot to talk about. We may have more to talk about after he's on the show uh, tonight on ETSU's Coaches Show, 6, 7 o'clock again on the Buccaneer Sports Network. We're certainly going to talk about one of the things I like to talk about, which is anytime ETSU beats Chattanooga in anything, having to be in men's basketball. We will talk women's basketball 2-0 on the road swing at Furman and Wofford. Certainly impressive in both victories, especially both third quarters. And then uh, Jamie Collier, new uh, – uh, safety yes. from Ohio has mm-hmm. made a decision to enroll at ETSU, so we're going to get to know Jamie Collier. Uh, great conversation with him as we'll talk football. But before we do any of that, before we talk into Dr. Sander. Uh, is, does this – I was going to say, do we, are we wanting to get into no. Doc first? Because that would be breaking news. Nope. And that would be a chance to hit the button. No. No? no. Let me tell you what I am mad about. Okay. You're mad about something. I am. I am. Today should be a glorious day. I should walk in here and lead dances, cheers, cartwheels, calisthenics, whatever. I should be on cloud nine, right? I, I would have to bow out of any calisthenics. <sighs> yeah, that's probably fair. Um, I think today should be one of the most – I should have started this podcast – well, I know there was breaking news, actually, but I should have led with this just – jubilation of the ETSU beating Chattanooga because it's everything I live for in life and everything else. But I'm down because what I discovered is it's not Jay knows English language. It is nobody likes Jay. That is what <laughs> I've discovered. Okay. And nobody likes me. And let me tell you why I say that. And I appreciate the fans and want to know what I was doing and celebrating all that. But we have a tradition at ETSU that we don't talk about a lot. And that is when we get big road wins, we stop and get a slushie. Well, and we love our slushies. Yes. And we send it not out. And, we, and, and maybe um, somebody said, well, maybe you should send those out and all that. But, you know, there are teams that do the gas station stops and celebrate. And what, you know, and, and Coach uh, Sanders had the ice cream. and ro- But just amongst the media folks, if you will, we stop and get slushies. Mm-hmm. So we beat Chattanooga, right? ETSU. We, the proverbial we, ETSU, not me, but – Yes. We beat ETSU. Uh, I mean, you you work for the university. I think you can get away with a little bit of a we every Okay. Now and yeah, and so big win. Go down there. You get a dub. We get going down the road, as mm-hmm. we do, and we try to find one of the combination, you know, food slash truck stops so that, you know, you've just got many options for whether you want food, that you know, whether it's a fast food or whatever mm-hmm. it is or a specific chicken or pizza, whatever. And then you've got, you know, the plethora of drink choices, whether it's the coffee, the lattes, the uh, unlimited fountain drinks, slushies, though, right? That's the big thing. So, I applaud your use of plethora there. That's good work. Yeah, yeah I, I do know three words. So I sit there, and we order at the fast food, and it's me, it's Kevin Brown, it's Bruce Trambarger, it's Steve Cunningham, our finance guy. And so I'm the first to order. 
and I'm like, all right, so I'm gonna go get the you know the wind slushy. Like, oh, okay, so I go get cherry limeade. Yeah. In you know in the big gulp thing. I mean, it's massive. Yeah. I'm Good ready to call. Go. Make the finance guy order last. So. I, and then make him pay for it. So then I walk back with my slushy, and I look yeah. at Kevin Brown, who started the tradition, mind you not. And I'm like, hey. Uh, you know, they got, you know, blue raspberry, I rattle off, pina colada, all these different flavors. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, um, hate to tell you, but we we all got shakes. I said, what? Are you kidding me? Say what? I, no, I'm, I stopped the pot. I'm going to, I'm going to go berate Kevin in his office. He started the tradition and then they went and got, you get him in here. I want to hear the explanation. This is ridiculous. I have worked here 21 years, and you can't tell me. When we beat Chattanooga, when ETSU beat Chattanooga, the greatest moments of my life is ruined immediately because I am the only human being that didn't get a shake. There was like a mint chocolate chip shake that was got. I think Bruce got the mint chocolate chip. I think there was a double chocolate thing. Um I don't even know what Steve Cunningham got. All I know is Steve Cunningham was in the back of the he's car. He's ducking us. Oh, Steve Cunningham is in the back of the car. And he's like, Jay, how's your slushy? And I was like, Steve, I will pull over and punch you in the face. I, I will throw you out of the vehicle. Out of all the days that I got shunned, I cannot. And a Chattanooga one. If you shun me after a road win at Wofford, VMI, name a school. But Chattanooga's the game you decide to shun me. A, I'm not in the the, the shake crew. I don't know how I got out of that. Shake if you're going to change up the slushy routine and do it after Chattanooga win and not tell me, nobody likes Jay. That's the new segment. Nobody likes me. Uh, I hate everybody. I, I think you, Jay, first of all, Kevin left his office like five minutes ago, apparently, as we're taping this podcast. So we'll we'll get him on here and we'll, we'll get that, that justice settled. But in the meantime, bud, I, I really think – you just need to shake this off and let's talk basketball or breaking news. <laughs> the biggest stories, the hard hitting details, the in-depth investigative reporting you've been craving all can be found at ESPN, the athletic and the associated press. Now here's someone not named Adrian Wojnarowski, Ian Rappaport or Bruce Feldman. Dr. Richard Sander is the new old it's meet the new boss same as the old boss. Dr. Richard Sander is once again the permanent athletic director at East Tennessee State University. And the interim tag was removed from him officially today. This is something that uh, you and I have have known about for a little bit. Couldn't tell anybody. We were excited about it. Um and I think a lot of the the response that I have seen from the diehards, from the, uh, if you want to call them the peanut gallery, whatever you want to call them, uh, the folks that really, you know, are vocal about their support for ETSU athletics and, and very vocal about riding the roller coaster of supporting a mid-major college athletics program um, just seem to be overwhelmingly, in your words, jubilant, which I believe the actual word is jubilant, but uh, they are jubilant about the return, the permanent return of Doc Sander to the big chair. What about the jubilation? The jubilation? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know about jubilation. I feel like that's different from jubilation. Is it? Is it anything? Is it anything like the hubilation from How the Grinch Stole Christmas? You know, that's something we're gonna have to investigate. Not not today. Some, in, yeah. in, in another podcast, we can uh, we can do that. But this was the Where Are You Christmas podcast. 
This is the second time I think uh, Sanders had the interim tag, and then uh, after a few months, it's been like, you know what? Let's, let's you you just do it. Let's just rip this off. Let's let you go ahead and do it. It was a very different scenario mm-hmm. the first go around, but there are some similarities. I mean, it was around right because Dave Mullins was getting ready to retire regardless. Brian Nolan had just taken over the presidency, so he brought on and basically Doc was brought on as a consultant to kind of get a feel for the athletic department, and then like, why don't you just run the thing? The committee for one twenty five and, and yes, and Doctor Nolan was really wanted to explore football. He really wanted to explore playing in Freedom Hall. There was a lot of things that the committee wanted to uh, put forward. And then it's kind of apropos maybe because the 125 Phase 2 committee has been starting to meet. And not that Dr. Sander was on that committee, but it's about the time that they've started to meet that, again, Dr. Sander – We're now uh, starting the 125 Phase 2. Yeah. Ooh. So I didn't know that. That's that's exciting. I'm yeah, excited. And again, it's and some of it is because again the changing in um, college landscape, which we won't go over all today. But you're talking about conference realignments, the new TV deals, NILs. I mean, just all the things that are going um, around college athletics that changed even more so than where we were ten years ago. And again, it'll probably be different ten more years from now. But there, that that's sort of how it all came full circle. And the other thing is, I think, with the financial budget where it is, the state of a few things and projects, and mm-hmm. this this needed uh, something longer than an interim, which is generally, and I know there's no like real term of how long an interim is supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, an interim for an AD and stuff is looking around the country about six to eight months. It's just a get you by and then you get somebody in their permit. Rather, that person, the interim, gets the regular job or they get somebody. So if you're going to be here for another 18 months, two years, whatever it is, if you're not going to be gone by probably July, then they probably need to take the interim off for several reasons. One, it limits the ability on if you're having to um, hire or fire. Right. Um, If you're trying to make business deals, if you're trying to convince the conference to do things the way ETSU would like it be done, well, you're an interim. Why do we care what you want to be done? Why mm-hmm. should we listen to your vote? You know, why should we give money to you if you're just going to leave next month? So there's a lot of business reasons why, and I think a lot of it just drills down to, you know, the changing in financial landscape, such as, you know, the cost the travel and food and everything that has gone up in general mm-hmm. with inflations. And again, you look at the uh, college landscape as far as the tournaments that are being played. Are they going to expand the tournaments? How are you going to, you know, how are you going to deal with that? The funding models, the out-of-state tuition model that ETSU is currently trying to work through and figure out how to make it a little more financially feasible for out-of-state uh, folks to go to ETSU consider mm-hmm. there are what five six states that are within like 30 minutes 45 minutes of the border correct so there's a lot of things that needed to be done that would not be an easy fix by July and the other thing is if they didn't get a few things fixed what kind of quality AD candidates would you get if they deem it to be a more of a challenge and I realize ADs all mm-hmm. want challenges they all want to come and do whatever but in the same token it could be a more attractive job if a few of these things were figured out before you look for a new AD. I would agree. I think the the thing that ADs want to do is to have stability in the position already 
and then to be able to come in and fundraise and do some big signature project that they can put, you know, a stamp on and say, I did this. So that way, you know, if you're towards the end of your career and you're thinking about your legacy at a university, you can say, I brought about this, 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 this. Doc Sander brought about um, the return of football, the construction of Green Stadium, uh, the, the arguably the most successful individual men's basketball team in school history at 30 and 4 with the hiring of Steve Forbes and, and the work that Forbes did. Um, you know, he did all these things that you can just rattle off. Um, that's one way to look at it. The other way is if you've got somebody that's kind of viewed as sort of a rising star, maybe they're on their way to a power five position at some point, or a job that, you know, pays more than our entire athletic budget. They can say, this is, these are the things that I have been able to do, the concrete things I've been able to do at another division one institution. And this is, you know, the, the, you don't get the opportunity to do those things if you don't inherit a stable department in the first place. There is a difference between being challenged to fundraise and grow and being challenged to stay afloat. And I think ETSU, given the situation it finds itself in, having had, you know, several coaches that needed to turn over in the last, or really just in the last few months, um, just went through uh, the search for a, a new softball coach and landed landed on uh, an, an interim uh, with coach uh, coach Milligan that's uh you know that's something that an interim ad is going to be hard pressed to do to the satisfaction of everybody involved so what i think you want to do is you want that permanent person in there to be able to make the kind of long term impactful hires that a permanent AD would expect to make. Because an interim AD, you can kind of feel like, well, they're only going to be there for three months, six months, and then they're going to move on. It's going to be somebody else. What if I don't like that other person and now I'm in a bad situation? But a permanent AD, you don't know how long they're going to be there. They're going to be there indefinitely. So you can feel a little bit more confident that the situation you're walking into isn't going to change overnight or by the time you get there, you're not committing to something different from what you okayed when you came on board. So those are things that I think Doc can bring. He can bring stability. And over the course of 24, 36 months, or how, frankly, however long he wants to do it, I don't think anybody is going to object to Doc Sander doing this thing for as long as he wants. Um, that's going to um, that's gonna provide stability, and it's going to create a better future and long-term prospect for ETSU Athletics. And we got a lot to talk about that. We're not going to spend all of today on it since he is the new AD and he's going to give us access for an hour tonight on the ETSU Radio Coaches Show, 6 to 7 o'clock. You can listen on the WXSM app or tune in or however you get uh, WXSM if you are not in the area on 640. Let's talk hoops. Men's side. Shooty hoops. Talking shooty hoops. Talking about beating Chattanooga. Beat chat. One slushy. Beat chat. Just me. And a shake. Shake it up a little bit now. I hate everyone that rode with me. All right. I'm sure you do. Let's talk about this. We get to the arena because I had zero, and I watched the Furman chat game and didn't realize, pay much attention to the second half where Jake Stevens, I guess, right then in the first half, had a injury to his hand, had it taped up a little bit, but it wasn't like – it was an egregious tape job or something that would have been noticeable and got to the arena 
And uh, Jim Reynolds, good buddy. Been doing the play-by-play for Chattanooga 43rd season. I believe that was the seventh longest Woo. tenure right now in Woo. all of college sports. So, Hello. Uh, Jim goes, hey, uh, I know you're missing somebody. I'm like, well, we're not going to have Taylor, uh, not going to have Tipler. So we're down to, he goes, eh, well, you know, I think we even out because we're, Jake's not going to go. I'm like, Jake who? He's like, Jake Stevens. So I'm like, what? Because I was not I, – I thought he was, you know, Jake the popcorn guy wasn't going to go. I, I had zero <laughs> clue that Jake Stevens uh, was injured. And we were talking back and forth. And they're like, we'll find out in a minute. And then before he got a chance to go back and confirm uh, with Dan Earl, here comes Jake Stevens out with the big old cast-looking thing on a right wrist, his right hand, which he's right-handed. And I thought – Probably going to be difficult to play, and he was in street clothes while everyone else seemed to be in uniform. So it's pretty yep. easy to see he wasn't going to go. But first of all, there's a chance he might not play the rest of the season. And if that's right. the way his senior year ends, I, you can't help but feel bad for him and the year he was having. Mm-hmm. He could still possibly still win player of the year. And I would argue if they lost every game, and I don't, I don't think they will, but let's say they lost every game the rest of the year, is there anybody more valuable to their team than Jake Stevens uh, on that mm-hmm. front? But in the same token, um, he does have a shot maybe to come back by the Southern Commerce Tournament. Definitely will not be back in, in Freedom Hall coming up Saturday. Right. I was going to say that that's the probably the most important element of this for ETSU is the team that you saw last last night or Saturday night uh, against Chattanooga. That's the team you're going to get in Freedom Hall this Saturday. So you feel pretty confident about you know, where you ended that game in terms of the chess match and, and you know, Dez uh, in his ability to adjust the defense to go switch one through five, which is what they do in the NBA, right? Guys come out and they set screens for Luka Doncic until he gets the matchup he wants and then he attacks that matchup. Uh, that's a situation where, you know, everybody switches everything at the highest levels of, of the sport and that's what they went into. They tried a little bit of zone, Right, it didn't really work. They tried man to man, where you know you didn't switch, and they were able to execute awesome ball screens. Well, now, okay, let's just switch everything and make their best players pass to the guys that burned us in the first half, and basically dare them to do it again. And um, that is that that takes some uh, fortitude, might be a, a word, some wherewithal to to do that, but it worked. And it worked really well. And ETSU had a Chattanooga team that just was not interested in playing defense. And when they weren't hitting shots, Bucks were able to get out and run a little bit on them. They were able to run sets and do whatever they want offensively. Jalen Haynes was an absolute force of nature in the paint. Jordan King utilizing the mid-range game to great effect. He had four threes in the ball game, but I also thought he was able to use that little pull-up from the elbow that he's added to his arsenal and has started to take advantage of a little bit more, and he's just about automatic on that shot. Uh, that's That was really fun to watch. And Mari, Jamarius Hairston, what an awesome mid-season storyline this is for the Bucks. Hairston went to the coaches and said, I want a chance. I want a chance to show you what I can do. And they said, okay, earn that opportunity in practice. He goes out the Tuesday before the Sanford game, and he earns that opportunity. Comes out in the first half against Sanford and hits his first two threes. And you're like, oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, we can use that guy. And then against Chattanooga, 10-7, and 
off the bench, major contri- contribution to the win for the Bucks. Played good defense. If he does that the rest of the way, um, that's going to help this team out a ton. And and I will say, I think the last two games, this group has just they've shown a lot more heart. You know, they haven't rolled over when they got into a hole. You know, like, I mean, think about, you know, the end of the first half and how many home games where they're down, you know, four or five points at the end of the half because they gave up a little bit of a run. Uh, You know, against Chattanooga, they were down nine at the break. Would have been easy to fold up on the road. They did not do that. They dug their heels in. They played harder and they executed. And the coaches made some adjustments, put them in a position to succeed, and they took advantage of it. I... That was, this has been awesome to watch. It feels like a considerable step forward has been made for ETSU over the last eight days. A couple of things I was impressed by. Uh, number one, and you mentioned Harrison, and I'm glad you did, but Haynes, King, and Harrison combined for 62, which themselves, those three would have tied Chattanooga's point total. But here's what was impressive. They were 26 of 39, 67%. Oh, wow. Just those three. Bucks in the second half had 28 points in the paint, 19 of 24. They missed three threes. That means they missed two two-point baskets. One was a uh, block shot right at the rim. Another one was a missed uh, 16, 17-footer from an elbow from Jordan King on a mid-range. But ETSU – discovered that they could get to the rim when they wanted to, and Chattanooga had zero answers for Jalen Haynes inside. And when the Bucks decided, we're going to pound the ball either inside the paint to Haynes or we can get to the rim absolutely whenever we want to, then that's where I think the game changed. The other thing is, on the flip side, I think Chattanooga was used to Hey, we can kind of funnel them inside because we got a pretty talented defensive player yep. and a shot blocker, shot alterer in the seven foot Stevens, and he wasn't and there, and there was nobody there. And I think that's going to be an adjustment they've got to make on their end is not so much on the offensive end what they do, but they were hurt more on the defensive end because I think they got used to having a rim protector, and the rim protector was not there. And certainly, Stevens, you would think, would be able to maybe hold his own a little bit against Jalen Haynes one-on-one. But second thing is, when the guards were able to drive inside, he was he would make it tougher for some of the guards to knock down shots. But the Bucks, um 36 shots mm. inside the free throw line and in. So 10 feet and in. They got 36 opportunities there. They continued to do that and get to the rim. And – you know, the first half, you have to tip your cap because it was a, a, a hot shooting Chattanooga team. I think ETSU played its uh, best 20 minutes of defense in the second half that it has all season long. I would agree. I think you can build on that. I think the game plan of understanding that there was no answer for them to go inside, take the easy buckets, I think panned out well. The one knock I would have, which happens every game it seems like, the free throw shooting. They had a chance to, to run away with the game a little bit earlier than what they were. Um, Jalen Haynes missed a couple of uh, and-one opportunities. I think Jordan King missed a front-end of a one-and-one that could have got yep. some extra points. So I, I think if, if there is a knock, and this is it would be the free-throw shooting, which has been not great this season, just to be kind about it. But so uh, to your point, uh, there, were not, there were only 17 free-throws total shot in the game between the two teams. 
um, which is part of why the game moves so quick. I was I was wa- I went back and watched the game the second half Sunday morning, and I was like, wow, this is over fast, and uh, that was part of why. Um, Jalen Haynes was one of five from the line. The rest of the team was six of eight, which is not much, but that's a you know it's not a big number, but it's a good efficiency percentage. Uh, and ETSU did end the game on a 14 nothing run over the last 5:48, even with a few missed free throws sprinkled in as well. So, yeah, it didn't it didn't hurt them. It, there are games where it has hurt them. There are games where it will probably hurt them, but uh, thankfully it didn't hurt them here. Just would like to see that be a little bit more consistent because they go through stretches, right, where they were really good to start the year and then they were really not very good. And then they were really good again for like five or six games. And now it seems like, okay, maybe we're not very good again. I I would like to see that smoothed out uh, a little bit. And part of that is just going to be, you know, maybe maybe it's just a matter of keeping Haynes off the line and putting your guards there, putting Justice Smith there, uh, putting Alan Struthers there or, or Hairston or King finding ways for those guys to get the to the stripe where they're just more reliable free throw shooters by trade because if Haynes doesn't miss free throws then teams are just going to start hacking him or if Haynes doesn't make free throws rather teams are just going to start hacking him and you're going to be in a situation where Haynes is at the line 15 times and maybe he goes 6 of 15 and that you know if it's a different guy that goes 12 of 15, maybe that ends up being the difference in the game. That, that's, that, that will happen at some point if the free throws don't start falling or you don't find ways to get your guards to the line more consistently or, or at least on a similar rate to your big guy. I think Coach Oliver answered a, a question that Bruce gave him, uh, and I think there was some truth to it. Bruce asked, you know, the second half you hold them, Chattanooga, to 23% shooting, 13% from three, and late in the shot clock, you know, they've got the wrong guys taking the shot, and I thought Coach Oliver was like, well, sometimes that was good design by us, and, you know, we're, we're in this huge face, and sometimes, you know, the, the wrong guy for them just decided to take the shot. So it was a little bit twofold, which I appreciate the honesty, but I think, again, that just proves the point of really how dominant in the second half they were uh, because you look at it, and, I mean, 50% in the first half, 38% from three, six of 16. They hit the first three to start second half, eight seconds in the second half. Chattanooga hits a three, go up 12. Bucks immediately go on a 10 nothing run. Uh, they would stretch that out. I think it ended up being 25 to six or something crazy like that. Retish, you would take the lead and, and really not look back, but one, or they were two for their last 21 from three. Uh, Chattanooga for the game, and there were some. To quote uh, Bruce, there were there were some bricks. I mean, there was the, the rim took some punishment. Like there there weren't some near misses. They did have one. Uh, each team did because Jalen Haynes uh, going to the basket to my left had a ball that kind of rolled around the rim, went halfway down and rolled out. Chattanooga had a three do the same thing. It rolled almost all the way down and rolled back out. And those I mean, they're three quarters of the way down, both of them. Uh, and at least Jalen Haynes was a two-point miss. Chattanooga's was a three-point uh, shot that didn't go down. And I think there's a couple of guys uh, I think could have some upside. If Dimitri Davis could put on some weight for Chattanooga, I think certainly that's a guy that, that could help out. And Dalvin White got off to a, a hot start. Uh, mm-hmm. He had 12 first-half points, finished with 14. He was averaging nine. Uh, the one thing I think I was shocked by was defensively some of those guys uh, just really – Again, either was hoping Jake Stevens would be there or didn't understand the situation or thought they had help. I, I don't know. I don't want to say they just laid people, but I don't know 
I, I'm not privy to what Dan Earl's game plan was, so I don't want to just – I think the yeah. the normal game plan is to funnel towards a big guy or at least know if I guard more of the three and they go by me, I got somebody there. And in this game, they really didn't have anybody there. And I thought ETSU did a great job, too, of when they drove and when somebody did come over, it was a one-pass layup or one-pass dunk. There were three or four dunks ETSU had. Um, and I thought Justice Smith had a couple nice assists early in the game to get going. He had three steals, even though he had eight points. Uh, he cashed two of them in to go straight down the court and score. So I thought all, all the way around the last couple games, effort-wise, and I hate to word it that way, but, you know, they've played hard for for 80 minutes of basketball the, the last two games. And we've been wondering, you know, can they put everything together in a 40-minute game? And they still didn't put it together for the whole Chattanooga game. But I will say they were able to put together the best 20-minute stretch defensively they've had mm-hmm. all season, and they're starting to understand, I think, what their strengths are. And Jalen Haynes is starting to get back to sort of his confident, give me the ball, let me eat. I agree, and I think that's something that's going to help ETSU over the next several days and weeks as this team tries to you know, find its way forward. Right now, they are – neck and neck with Western Carolina for fourth in the SoCon. And if you make it into that top four, I feel pretty comfortable about saying, yeah, you got a shot to win the tournament. Once you get to that point, you got, I know Sanford's kind of running away from everybody in, in the regular season. And uh, I think, uh, you know, there, there's a couple of teams that are just, you know, pouring it on in terms of early success, UNCG seven and one and Furman six and two. But, We've seen situations before, Jay, where ETSU went into the tournament as a four or a five seed and won the tournament. I believe that was my first year on campus. Was it fourth? The Bucks? No, uh, the Bucks fifth. did fifth. Yeah, they were fifth. And there were four co-champions, and they all got bounced by the semifinals. None of them played for the SoCon title or the uh, A Sun title. So we can see that sort of thing. And I need remind you that despite ETSU's home struggles, Asheville is not home. It's not Freedom Hall. It's not a home court. It is technically, in a very abstract sense, as a neutral site game, it is away from home. Uh, I would I would take my chances with ETSU if they can keep this kind of play going for the next three, four weeks. And we got to see ETSU's blue uniforms finally. Yeah, how about that? First road blue unis all season and a win at Chattanooga. Now we're going to break down... Wednesday, we'll talk Southern Conference standings. We'll briefly review those games. We'll look ahead to the Wednesday-Thursday matchup. So we'll talk a little more on the Southern Conference side of things uh, on Wednesday. But right now, we're going to talk about two big road wins for the women. Yes, two big ones on the road. Get your season back on track. I'm, I'm going to throw my stat out there. I did confirm it. Yes, yes, you did. My, I can confirm, thanks to Kevin Brown, Mike Ezekiel, myself, all three doing work here. ETSU is the only team in the country that both the men's and women's team have yet to win at home. They're 0-7 combined. But in they conference are play. In conference play, but they are undefeated in league play on the road, which makes zero sense. They're 6-0 combined. Haven't the men won? Uh, the men have won six road games in a row in SoCon play, right? Dating back to last year. Correct. Which that is, is the, that's like the, is the sixth, sixth longest, longest streak in the country. Yes, it is. That is bizarre. Um, 
the uh, what what else is bizarre is uh, Wofford's offense. You're not a fan. No, no, I'm not. I I am never a fan of five out basketball. I don't like it. Um, I, I think you you just you give up too much of the floor. And yeah, so you can crash in and get some offensive rebounds still, but that's not the point. Uh, this is a team. ETSU is a team that just lost one of the top five rebounders in SoCon. Um, one of the top shot blocker, their leading shot blocker, one of the top shot blockers in the league. And you didn't think, hey, let's post up the freshman and see how she handles it. No, not at all. Nothing. I just come Bueller. on, dude. Bueller, Bueller. Come on. Um, ETSU was great and Wofford was not. And ETSU did what a good team should do to a team that is not playing well. And um, I can absolutely see how that Wofford team lost to Western Carolina. Uh, Giselle Thomas was able to get to the block pretty much whenever she wanted. Uh, I don't think she had to take a shot outside of 10 feet. She did take a couple of threes, but she didn't really have to take a shot outside of 10 feet if she didn't want to. And... Kendall Foley was terrific again. I have we haven't seen it yet. If Foley's not the player of the week, I'm going to be pretty upset because I thought she was fantastic in both games. She is a huge reason why uh, ETSU won the Furman game and then delivered a, delivered another big double digit effort against Wofford as well. Had uh, six or seven rebounds and also a couple of assists and one turnover in 36 minutes running the point. One, that's spectacular. Jakiah Davis, first double double of the year. I gotta, I gotta tip my cap to Jabo. She's really stepped up in a big way the last couple of games. She was great against Grace Van Rye. Had four steals in that game, in that matchup as the starting center. You know, you wonder, okay, players being thrown into the. She's been playing whatever, 15, 17 minutes a night. Sometimes she goes down the floor and like she she runs hard and she tires herself out and she's got to come out quick. Then it happens. Um, but sometimes if she can stay in a little bit longer and she can be put in some good situations, which she has been, I think, by mock, um, she responds to that. And she has responded in a situation where she was not simply dropped into a favorable situation. She was put in a spot where she was challenged. Like, okay, you're the starting center now. We need you to go out and make plays for us in the paint. And against Furman, she gets takeaways. She gets she generates turnovers with steals. And against Wofford, she gets her first double-double of the year. Uh, that's delivering at a big spot. And I think that's commendable as well. It was great to see Courtney Moore get back out there. She knocked down 4-3 Saturday. Hit a couple big shots early against Furman. And you could tell, you know, not being in practice for a part of the previous week while she was getting the MRI, getting evaluated after uh, the injury against Samford. You could tell that kind of caught up with her. But against Wofford, she was just bang, 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 bang. It was awesome. Um, this whole team... Found two wins where everybody contributed on the road, including a place where they traditionally don't win. They have only won, in counting Thursday, they have only won at Furman 11 times ever in 34 attempts. So that's pretty good. Uh, this team is back on track. I, the most impressive part to me of the two wins were the third quarters. I mean, you look at the firm, it was 25-13, yep. it was 26-8. So that's 51-21, to 21, plus 30 on the road 
coming out of the locker room for Coach Mock. And, I mean, to me, those that, that's staggering. The adjustments that they were able to make in the last game against Wofford, they're able to kind of keep Lily Hatton away from the paint. You know, she's 4 of 16 shooting, just nine points. That's clearly not on her average. Jackie Carmen, who can put scores on bunches, just goes 4 for 11 with 12 shots, 14 shots for Rachel Rose. You're going to live with that. If Jackie Carmen is not getting as many shots as Rachel Rose, that is a good day for ETSU because it is – and I've said this before, yeah. this year it's really it, – it, it's Hatton and Carmen. And when they have big games, you know, they've had several games this year where they both had 20 or more in the same game. You can see how they're very successful. When they combine for 21 points, they're not going to win many, if, if at all. I would I would almost have to go back and check every box score, but I bet you if they score under, let's say, 35, 35 or under between the two, I bet they don't have a win. And if they do, they may play to non-D1 or something like that. But Division One opponents, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that those, those two ladies have to perform for that team to be good. The other thing is nine turnovers for ETSU. I think you'll live with that all day long. Ten assists, nine turnovers. Not that Wofford pressures defense, but still the same token. We've seen ETSU not be pressured and throw the basketball away. So they were able to hang on to the basketball. You are a Nevay Brown field goal away from five players, all five starters and double figures. So, again, spreading the wealth. Mm -hmm. Foley been unbelievable for two games. Thomas, a really knock on her for two games as you look at – she has eight turnovers. She had five at Furman three at uh, um, Wofford, so, uh, you know, eight turnovers. I think she averaged close to 17 points a game. Foley right around 16, but Foley uh, had more. I think she had like eight assists, one turnover. She had more rebounds. I think she's only averaging like uh, three-quarters of a point less than what Thomas is averaging. And, I mean, it just seemed like Foley was just – anytime you needed a bucket of Furman, she was the one that kind of had the bucket – and well, it, and not even her, just like everybody contributed. Like the starters were all great. And and Vay, to your point, I think is getting better shots now, or at least taking better shots than she was early in conference play where she kind of tried to force it. She's now 18 of her last 39 after a 4-9 effort against Furman. Um, Foley came up with some big shots, and I think that's taking some pressure off of Vay where she has to be guarded a little bit differently because teams have to be more cognizant of Kendall. But then you can bring a shooter off the bench like Sarah Thompson, who gets hot. She hit three threes in 92 seconds in the third quarter against Furman as part of a 23-5 to run. And that really broke the will of the Palins. Like, you're just like, man, it's going to be tough to... It would be really, really tough to lose this game after this. And then there were some shots... Kendall hit a big one with the shot clock winding down. Vay hit a, a, a hit on a slot drive where Giselle Thomas baited in a help defender and then handed the ball off to Vay. She got a clear path to the basket, laid it in for the right block. Um, where you're just like, we're not losing this game. You know, they're they're not going to lose this game. There's no way they are going to finish this thing out. They're going to finish it strong. Uh, and I think everybody is doing something to help this team win games. And that's how it's going to have to be the rest of the way. Can they win a home game? That's going to be the next question. They got Western uh, Carolina. They got Western Carolina, which is, I think, is still the worst team in the conference. I know they beat Wofford. And I've said my, I've spoken my piece on Wofford. If anything, I've pulled punches on my opinion of Wofford and, and the way that that team played on Saturday. Uh, but 
ETSU should be able to dispatch Western Carolina at home. No We're going to do a full breakdown because Mercer did knock off Sanford, so the women's standings a little bit more jumbled than what they were as opposed to the men's Love side it. where the men is kind of running – Sanford's men running away with it. By the way, that was the first conference loss for football, men's basketball, women's basketball, and league play combined when <laughs> Mercer knocked off the Sanford women. And so it took what until a, January 23rd of the academic year. And let me tell you, that three years ago, all of those were a little bit of a train wreck. Uh, and not that Chris Hatcher's really was, but you just knew he was going to be four and four, or three and five, or five and three. But he was going to be kind of around there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but him to go undefeated had the great run they did. Right now, uh, Bucky McMillan's got the men's team going. Uh, Carly Coons, I think, does a phenomenal job. Mercer's starting to figure it out, so we'll kind of see where they go from there. So we'll talk about the standings, the results. We'll look ahead to the Wednesday, Thursday men, women. That's coming up on uh, what day did I say? Oh, Wednesday. We're yeah, going Wednesday. to do that and Wednesday. I, 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 also, Wednesday. I also want to talk about this uh, Chattanooga-Furman 95 total points, double overtime extravaganza. What was the shooting percentages? Well, we'll talk about it on Wednesday. Well, let's talk about it Wednesday. Let's talk, let's talk yeah. about it Wednesday. I don't, you know what I don't, I don't, want, I don't want to talk about it too much yet. Uh, you I, don't, I don't want to ruin the appetite for the next conversation that we're going to have. Are you, are you going to get a shake and not tell me? I feel like no. you're going to get a shake. No. Where, still- where where would I where would I get the shake though? Where would you go get a shake if we could go if I could go if I went and got you a shake? Where would you want it from? Because you have a bevy of options, right? There is. I mean, there's the standby where you guys get like your slushies and whatnot, but also there's a couple right across the street from us. One is very thick, very delicious. The other one is probably a little bit more immediately drinkable, um, but is less like ice cream. The other one's just kind of like straight up ice cream in a in a cup. That's up to you. I'll let you think about that. Yeah, we should probably come up with a ranking system at some point. Yeah. Uh, Chattanooga was 18 of 61. That's 29.5%. And Furman was 16 of 57. That's 28.1%. Yeah, okay. All right. We'll talk... You talk about a sickos game. We'll talk about that one uh, a little bit later on. You want to change subjects here, real quick? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's let's talk. Let's. You want to talk about hard hitting safeties? You want to talk about new guys? I always love to talk about hard hitting safeties. All right, Jane Keith back with you on the Jane Keith podcast, and we've got another football conversation. Come, we love football. football. I love football. Football, 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 football. I think you can have a whole conversation with football just by the inflection. Football, F- f- football, for sure. Football, football, yeah, football. <laughs> People are going, who's the new guy? <laughs> all right, we'll do that. I'm James Keith. This is Jamie Collier. We've talked about all week on Monday, the podcast, we were going to track down. We were going to hunt down all the transfer players. We're going to try to introduce Buck Nation to the transfer players, get to know them, figure out who they are, what they are, why they choose ETSU, what can we expect on the field, and any other questions that Keith comes up with because I'm a simpleton and I, I ask the easy questions. So, Jamie, first of all, thank you for taking the time. And let's start real quick with ETSU. You go in the portal. You decide to come here. Yes, sir. How did that process play out? Well, for one, thank you for having me. But um, I had a great connection with Coach Grimes, um, and that was pretty much the set of the tone right there. He pretty much introduced a great philosophy, you know, a defensive philosophy that I believe in, uh, man coverage. So, and that's, that plays into my strength, so I thought that was great for me. So let, let's talk about that, where where you came from 
Ohio. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes, sir. First of all, I want to get back to that in a second because mm-hmm. I love Athens, mm-hmm. Ohio. Great yes, town. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, but talking with uh, Coach Grimes, did he go over a little bit? And I want to give it – I mean, most people have seen Billy Taylor mm-hmm. and his defense philosophy around this league, so they're not going to be shocked by this. Um, did you guys do sort of the boundary field mm-hmm. where you stay on one side of the field there? So not – is that an e- – I'm assuming that would be then an easy transition? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. For sure. It's definitely easy transition. We did the same at Ohio boundary field type of uh, play, and I just feel like it fits. So where where do you think you uh, you, you fit best in a scheme like that, do do you think you need to be on the the boundary side, or do you want to be on the field side, which can I guess can be a little bit adventurous at times because you you've got so much ground to cover and you never really know what's coming at you. Yes, sir. Um, I believe I'm pretty versatile, but I like playing the boundary because I like the hit too. So and that's sure. that's a lot of run fit for me, and I love that. Yeah. So why did you commit to Ohio in the first? What, what was it about Ohio that you liked when you were coming out of high school, and what is it about ETSU that maybe has some parallels to that situation you walked into in Athens when you were 18 to now being 22-23 coming to Johnson City. Yes, sir. Um, coach Jimmy Burrow, uh, Joe Burrow's dad, yeah. he was the coach that recruited me out of high school. And um, Coach Solich, Frank the Tank, that was the head coach at the time. And um, they both came to my house in, 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 Georgia, in Georgia and just really sat down and had a great conversation, like I said, about defensive philosophy. I like to learn the game. And so we just sat down, and it was pretty good. It was a pretty good connection from the start. Are you excited to play on Saturdays in October and November again? For sure, yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> those, sure. The, how, how much do those those Tuesday and Wednesday games take a toll <laughs> on you? Because it's so different from the routine that you've built, even from earlier in the season. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a different breed. you gotta really you got to really be on top of your game because, you know, the teachers expect you to come to class the next day, right. even though, like, you might – come back from Bowling Green at three in the morning you still got to go to class at eight so it's definitely it's definitely something it's not it's not for the week <laughs> yeah to, to say the least I mean I playing for Frank Solich probably wasn't either oh. <laughs> what, what did you like most about Frank and what does he mean to people up there oh uh, he's great he's he's just honestly a great guy like he when they say Frank the tank he's literally a tank because he like he walks around the field he, he will walk around the field and let's say somebody goes for a post it was a couple instances where he got ran over. He had just pop right back up and just keep going, and that, and that just really set the tone for the team because that's what he preaches. He preaches, you know, you get knocked down, get back up, four quarters, five quarters if need be, and just keep rolling. How much did the relationships you have with the coaches that you had at Ohio mm-hmm. uh, help you understand? Hey, these are guys I want to work with. These are guys that I vibe with at ETSU. Um, you know, how does that experience? I guess spill over when you're looking for a place to continue your football career like this. Yes, sir. Um, just being straightforward, they were pretty straightforward people, and um, just like I said, just great guys. Like people, I like if I had a kid, I would want my kid to be around these guys because they're just very, like very straightforward, very family oriented people, and that's kind of what I was looking for, looking for my next home, and I found that here. Other than about 45 seconds with Zach Borish, have you gotten a chance to uh, meet any of your teammates yet? Uh, yes, yeah, so I met a couple. Um, like my roommate Sheldon, so obviously I met okay, him. Yeah. <laughs> um, I met uh, Trey, the running back. Um, Braxton, yeah, Trey. Yep, yeah, uh, yeah. Braxton, the old lineman, I believe. Yeah, Braxton Ship. Ship. Yep. And a couple other people. I've, I'm still trying to put names to faces right now. Yeah, I'm. I'm 
this is an amazing trait for a TV broadcaster or play-by-play broadcaster. I am really, really good with faces. I will recognize you in the hallway, and I will immediately forget your name. That <laughs> would take me like 10 well, tries to it, get it It right. would help if they were a number... The yeah, whole if, day. You have the, if you have your jersey number <laughs> yeah, on you somewhere, I, that that helps. Like but, like you wear it at practice, you wear it at games. You wear, I don't understand why you don't do it the whole day. Yeah. So it's easier for me because you know there's 350 athletes walking yeah, through the sir. hallway, and yeah. all of them, you know, no, there's two guys of us, so it's easy to mm-hmm. tell who we are. But uh, so your safety, yes, right? sir. The question I guess I have for safeties, and I think you've already answered it. Are you? excited more about covering or more excited about coming up and kind of laying the hammer oh for sure laying the hammer i I, I love hitting that's that's one of my my strong suits right there yeah and and any safety will tell you that they like to get fitted up in the run and and lay lumber on somebody like that's that that's just this is fun to do to to get downhill and to do that we mentioned you know, Sheldon, um, this is a, a safeties room that's got some guys that played a lot last year mm-hmm. that are kind of coming into their own. And, um, you know, everybody's going to be competing against each other, trying to make each other better. What do you hope to bring to that room as as you enter that mix? I hope to just bring um, leadership and just uh, bring a lot of accountability. I uh, hold people to a certain standard that I hold myself to as well. So just really bring leadership and just a competitive edge. Is that something that was talked about a lot in your recruiting process? Was hey, you know, we're looking for some veteran leaders to to add to this mix because we got a lot of young guys, we got a lot of guys who've never done this before, who maybe never necessarily had an example before mm-hmm. to come in here and be somebody that helps set the tone for this program for the next several years. Yes, sir. That was something that was talked about heavily, but more so just having uh, the competitive spirit. Mm-hmm. That was really the biggest heart that uh, Coach Grimes was talking to me about because he just really just wants everybody in the room to be, you know, on 10 at 10 at all times. So it was a competitive group between Chris and Sheldon. I don't know if they you've caught on to this, the, the Chris Hope and Sheldon Arnold. They compete on everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's crazy when talking <laughs> to them about things they compete on for no reason and like to win. My question is, how quickly are you going to go in there and try to show them that you can beat them at other things besides football? <laughs> oh, I already got started. Uh, Sheldon kind of running from me from Madden right now. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah. so, so I'm waiting on that. But I'm definitely trying to trying to bring it at uh, ASAP. So I, the the one thing I, I was going to ask you about, uh, Solich, because I have family from Nebraska. Okay. If you go back to the coaching oh, ties, yeah. he was with Tom Osborne mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, legendary pedigree coach in Nebraska, then mm-hmm. went to Ohio and – so he brings a little bit of that Cornhusker type toughness. What type of practices? I'm curious about because game stuff's one thing. What type of practices did Coach Solich kind of run that kind of mm-hmm. made you a better football player? Um, well, for one, you had to run everywhere. As soon as like as soon as you got off the ramp, touched the green grass, you had to be rolling. And so that was something that stuck with me. And also, like I was saying, like just being tough. Uh, let's say you had an injury or you were limited. Uh, you still had to find a way to get work done. So that was just something that was very interesting to me. So let's let's go back a little bit of your journey. Take us through sort of uh, your childhood, playing mm-hmm. sports, um, kind of when you knew, like, hey, football could probably be a, uh, an avenue for me to go to college. Mm-hmm. And then just, just – we know how you got to Ohio, but, but talk about kind of growing up and, and everything you did to get you to a point to be a college athlete. Yes, sir. Uh, I grew up in Decatur, Georgia, um, Scottsdale to be exact. And um, I was just always I was always in the street before the streets like before the street like came home came on I had to be home, and so just growing up uh, it was pretty cool. 
I had a lot of figures before me, such as my brother. He played football at Buffalo. And um, my dad played at University of Tennessee Chattanooga as well. So just growing up, um, like I said, I had to be competitive. And um, I played basketball as well for Miller Grove. They won like eight state championships in a row. But basketball really wasn't. I'm not going to say it wasn't my strong suit. I just didn't really love it as much as I love football because, obviously, in basketball, it's not that much of a contact sport. But that's another story for another time. If you would, <laughs> if you would please just remind your dad that you were wearing the proper blue and gold hat. <laughs> for so that, sure. would, that, that would be great for me. <laughs> for sure. I definitely he, – he, he gets on me, but I definitely told him, like, this is the best fit for me. Yeah. Let's talk about um, – because I think Ohio, uh, again, I think the town is great. I think they got a great stadium. Obviously, got a nice fan base. Mm-hmm. Just talk about, you know, I know you haven't been to John City that long, but just talk about sort of one great college town coming to another college town, the stadium, every, everything kind of outside, um, leading you here to Johnson City. Mm-hmm. Um, I really just love like Sheldon was my host on my visit, so he just kind of brought like a, a family atmosphere vibe to me. And I thought that was very interesting because, you know, being a being a competitor, it's easy to kind of push people away. But he definitely brought me in. And um, just like I was hanging with Coach Coach Grimes and um, Coach Downs, uh, I was just really just trying to understand, like, where I would fit in. And I kind of just – it really just grew on me when I went back home and I was just watching uh, you, uh, football videos on YouTube. I just thought like it would be a great place for me to play. I heard how the commentators were talking about uh, Johnson City, and I just thought it would be cool. So you you're living in Johnson City. How mm-hmm. much do you want to experience the city, or is this kind of a is this sort of a prolonged business trip? Right, you're coming here to buckle down <laughs> and play ball. It's for sure a prolonged business trip, um, okay. but I definitely want to I definitely want to experience Johnson City for Johnson City. Um, I want to you know see the nightlife, see see the community, see outreach programs, stuff like that. Definitely want to get involved in, in the community heavily. So, obviously, this is, you know, Northeast Tennessee has great tradition in bluegrass. Mm-hmm. And we were learning, we learned before <laughs> we, we started the interview, you're a big country music guy. I am. So, uh, what what led you down that road? How, how um, I guess, who, who's your favorite act first? Mm. Are, you, are you a modern country guy? Are you a new country guy? Or are you more of a classic country guy? I'm kind of a new country guy. Okay, all right, that's fair. <laughs> I have to say... Blake Shelton. Okay. All that's, right. That's kind of that's kind of number one for me. Yeah. Go back to Blake Shelton, circa 2002 or so, it was when he was doing uh, her baby and uh, <laughs> was it Old Red? Uh, get 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 those with the mullet and the yeah. big cowboy hat. Yeah. That's that's my Blake Shelton. Yes. Sir. Are, are you aware that the Country Music Hall of Fame is just 30 minutes away in Bristol? I did not know that. So there we there go. You so go. You already got something. You got to go check okay, that out. Hall, cool. uh, the Country Music Hall of Fame opened up just a few years ago. They got a rhythm and roots that okay. kind of coincides with that. And then the, in the fall, although unfortunately, that's an all week long. She so may be able to get uh, one night out of practice <laughs> be able to go. Unfortunately for you, it's going to be in September in the middle of football oh, season. Man. But I got but it's a it's a Monday through Sunday deal. So mm-hmm. there should be one day uh, you might be able to get out. We're, we're going to get you on bluegrass for sure. We got to. We got. Yeah, because I mean, <laughs> this is the one. This is the only school in the country with a bluegrass minor right it is it, oh, is. Wow. it still is yeah and just to let's test his etsu knowledge which i'm guessing is probably <laughs> nolan void so it's probably an unfair question do you know who graduated from here that's a country music star mm. bailey zimmerman i have no idea who that is 
Oh, we were we were looking no. for Kenny Chesney. Kenny Chesney. Oh wow. PTSU yeah. graduate. He was actually just back for a big bluegrass concert in the fall. That's crazy. So he'll be around every now and then. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So it, yeah, you won't know it till till he's he's here and gone. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you usually can't advertise Kenny Chesney's around. Yeah. Cause, yeah. Cause I, I, I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't know he was going to be at that that uh, concert. I was like, ah, oh, I was thinking about going, and then it, we, we were in the middle of you know getting. I was getting moved down here, and I was like. I'm kind of tired. I don't know. And then I see about an hour after it ends, pictures on Facebook. And Kenny Chesney showed. Wow. Like, <laughs> so Come the, on. The, there was a uh, there was a quite my old college roommate used to ask me uh, a long time ago, and he's like, you know, you're you're the most um, you know famous voice at ETSU, and mm-hmm. I was like, no, it's obviously Kenny Chesney. And <laughs> yeah. he said, well, he said, uh, what would happen if you guys ever got together? And 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 uh, I'm like, I have no idea. Well, fast forward just a couple years later. We actually uh, did get together uh, in the Mercedes-Benz Dome in Atlanta, and there were 55,000 people to see us. Now, wow. now six people knew I was there, <laughs> so I like to take credit for that. That's uh, 55,000 people. That was my answer. I said, 55,000 people got to see us together. Sure. Uh, again, again, only six knew I was there, so I don't think that's fair, but that's, that's okay. I, I just want to know, since we are in Tennessee, mm-hmm. and we're so close to Nashville, we obviously have, we have East Tennessee music tradition as well. Who's the country star you'd most like to meet? Ooh. That's tough. Yeah. Because <laughs> mm. there are like five or six different directions you can go with that, right? Yeah. Kenny Chesney would be one. That would be, that that would, be, that would be a great person to meet. But like I say, Blake Shelton, I would love to meet Blake Shelton. <laughs> I would just love to meet Blake Shelton. All right. So uh, do you, are you musically inclined? Do you play any music, sing? Uh, like yes, sir. I play the piano. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. Um, I, I played a saxophone in like sixth grade. I stopped after that. It was kind of kind of hard for That's me. That's commitment, though. Like you have to start playing piano young to really get a feel for it. Yeah, yeah one of so. my twin sons picked it up over the last year, and uh, and I don't know how or why because no, nobody's musically inclined <laughs> in in my family. And so the music teacher always comes out and is like, "Hey, he's doing great. Can you teach him this and that?" And I just stare at the guy every time. I'm like, "Dude, I cannot tell you this more. I have no idea. He's on his own." <laughs> like if you're not teaching that and he doesn't retain it, yeah. I've got no idea. Yeah, what that's you're what we're paying about. the instructor because <laughs> right. he, he's like, you know, he's doing good. But if you could just really his hand position and when he's going to this and that, and I don't even know what the terms are. And I'm like, buddy, I got yeah. zero idea. He, he's done all on this uh, on his own and uh, seeing what kind of work it puts in there. Are you one that um, can play off feel, read mm. music a little both? Uh, I play off feel. I can't. I'm still learning how to read music, so I just really play off feel. See, that's what I'm amazed by, too, because James is my son, he, and he's kind of like that already. Like, they're trying to teach him to read whatever, and he mm-hmm. picks up, he sees it, hears it, but he can't figure out. The, yeah. That, yeah. They want me to help him read the music, and I'm like, I can't. I can't I read <laughs> I can't read a normal sentence, let alone, like, trying to read some sort of music. Yeah, my whole family is guitar by ear. My dad plays banjo by oh, ear. Really? We're Yeah, no, I mean... We lived in the same part of Tennessee for like 220 years or something. Wow. So we're uh, we're we're old old school backwoods music family. So let, let me ask you this because you mentioned your your uh, brother played in college, your dad mm-hmm. played in college. What did you learn family wise as far as ath- athletically? Not necessarily how to play, but like them being former college athletes mm-hmm. or college athletes. What what did you take from them that kind of helped you on your journey to be a college mm-hmm. athlete? Um, really just. The stuff off the field, you know, staying in the classroom and also sleep and nutrition. That's like one of the biggest keys and takeaways that I got from my dad because he always made sure I ate more than what I was supposed to and I slept way more than I, what I was supposed to. I was I was I would stay up late at night and I wake up in the morning. He'd get on me because he heard the game and he'd say, "You know, you're supposed to be sleep, right?" 
And I was, that was just something that stuck with me all the way. And I was talking to Coach Lawson about what, uh, his philosophy as well. And he told me the same thing that my dad preached. So I thought that was very, that was a very big, great takeaway for me. I would love to sleep more than I'm supposed to. <laughs> a lot more than I'm supposed to, actually. That would be that would be terrific. Uh, Jamie, uh, we're coming to the end here. And uh, so we... We kind of do a thing where athletes pay it forward to each other, mm-hmm. and we ask an athlete for a question, and we uh, then ask that question to the next athlete. Then we ask you for a question to ask the next athlete that sits in that chair, and it could be anything you want. So mm-hmm. this question came from Zach Borish. Um, what is the best airport to fly out of if you want to go west? Because he's from Kennewick, Washington. Mm-hmm. So he's trying to figure out, is it Charlotte? Is it Atlanta? Is it Tri-Cities? Is it Asheville? I definitely wouldn't say Atlanta. Uh, I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't <either. laughs> so I would probably say Charlotte. Yeah, Charlotte. Charlotte. For okay. sure. All right. Well, is, is do you have a? And this is this is something. I mean, you know, the Mac. You travel by bus a lot. I know. But mm-hmm. um, would you have a favorite airport? Have you flown enough to have a favorite mm-hmm. airport? Um, I like Columbus Airport. Columbus. Yeah, for sure. Yes, sir. Okay. All right. I've never actually flown. Through I was going to ask you. If you I've been through there. Have you never been? I've never been. My my favorite's probably Minneapolis. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I see. Yeah, that's the. Uh, they 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 pride themselves on having the cleanest airport bathrooms in America. <laughs> we got to be good. At like something. there's a, there's a <laughs> plaque. Be good at something. There's right? a plaque for it. I'm not kidding. There's a plaque for it in MSP. Like wow, it's a real thing. Wow. I've actually flown into there, and I promise I did not notice that. They are, <laughs> they are definitely have, cleaner than DFW. I have, cleaner I have than DFW. Not, uh, I can vouch for that. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. No, the mm. things that Keith notices. Yeah, that is great. That. And they're a lot cleaner than O'Hare. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, pay it forward. You, mm-hmm. Yes. So, Jamie, mm-hmm. what question would you like to na- ask the next person mm. who sits in that chair? And bear in mind. That person, that that kid, could play any sport. It could right. be a volleyball player, it could be a softball player, it could be a baseball player, it could be a soccer player, mm-hmm. triathlete, triathlete, yeah, right. any a ten, tennis player, golfer. Uh, well, maybe not golf. Golf's going to be in Hawaii for like the next month or something. Oh, it's wow. just like, they just they just travel everywhere. They're I did gone, vo- I did volunteer time. to be a chaperone. They turned me down. <laughs> yeah, like they usually go to Hawaii every year, and then they mm-hmm. go to Puerto Rico, and yeah. well, at this time of year, if you're going to play golf, it's yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. You can um, play golf outside. It's like 65 degrees today. It is today, but you know you need like four days. <laughs> All right, Jamie, what what, um, what do you want to ask? I would have to say. I would have to ask, um, what is one place in the world they would want to travel that they haven't been to yet? What is one place in the world you want to travel to that you haven't been that there? That you yet. have not. I like that one. Been to. All right, so let's let's reverse it real quick. Mm-hmm. What, what would that place be for you? Because you yeah. probably thought about it. For sure, Peru. I would, oh, I would I mean, love I, to go to that Peru. That was a no. <laughs> Peru. What about Peru? Honestly, just the scenery. Like I just see pictures all the time, and it looks so dope. I just would love to go there. I'd say wait about wait wait like a couple years, and because there's some political stuff going on down there right now. Oh really? Crazy. Yeah, they like see things he knows that I don't. Wow. Yeah, they, I didn't they like that. the the president tried to dissolve the government, and then he what? was run out of the country, and now they're trying to get the the new president to resign. It's it's oh, it's wow. wild what's going on down there. So they had to shut down the airport because protesters occupied the airport. <laughs> Amer- there were American tourists that were stranded at Machu Picchu. Wow, that's like they crazy. were stuck there, and they had to walk. How do you know this? Yeah, no, exactly. Dude, I, dude all the time. Every every time we're doing a podcast, he throws something out there. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. That's BBC crazy. World News. Well, yeah. That's 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 how I do it. That'll that's do how it. I do he it. Just, I, I don't. 
I don't know. <laughs> I uh, so if you don't want to go that quite that far south, mm-hmm. no, Costa Rica is mm-hmm. a good one. Costa Rica is a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. Costa Rica. Yeah. And for scenery clarification, are you are you talking about like beaches, mountains, mm-hmm. yes, old stuff, yes, uh, ladies? Well, what are we talking about? What like about? <laughs> just like <laughs> history, uh, like history museums. I'm a, I'm a big history guy, so history oh, okay. museums and just yeah. like beaches and like stuff like that. That's okay. Peru. Then yeah. you you, yeah. you want history? You Peru yeah, probably man. has some of the totally best agree. preserved Native American ruins. In the Western Hemisphere. Okay, cool. Yes, yeah. sir. Yes, sir. All right. Well, Jamie, we're uh, running out of time, but hey, man, we appreciate you stopping by and looking forward to seeing what you can do on the football field and a little spring practice and certainly yes, when we get to the season in the fall. Yes, sir. Thank y'all for having me. All right. It's Jamie Collier. Yes, it is. Likes country music. Great dude. Yeah. I just look, I look forward to seeing him meet Kenny Chesney. That'll be great. I look forward to him turning into Ronnie Lott. <laughs> That's also a good idea. I like that too. Or Mike Price. That's content. Either way. Just hit hit people. Hit people hard. Legally. Get on get on tape. Let's do the thing. Create turnovers. Yep. Whatever else. That's the hope. Alright, so that's a good show. We talk Dr. Sander. We talk men's basketball win. Women's basketball wins. We talk Jamie Collier. Everyone hates Jay. And we're gonna talk Wednesday. Southern Conference basketball. We'll look at the standings. We'll look at the who plays who. We'll talk about ETSU's game Wednesday at Mercer, the women's game Thursday, West Carolina. Sounds good to me. All right, that's all Keith's got. Yeah, sweet as a shake. I'm looking <laughs> forward to it. All right, we'll be back with you Wednesday. Another edition, Jay and Keith. Back here's my network. Chocolate milkshake. Oh, you got to be kidding me.